You're listening to The Crossroad Podcast with Joey and Kylie Willis. Through redefining effective leadership, The Crossroad Podcast explores what it means to live a life of intention and purpose. Join us as we explore the ins and outs of effective leadership and vibrant living. today about what it looks like to lead with vision. In the last episode, we had Dave Cooner join us and share some of his experiences with leadership um, and his experiences with developing leaders. Uh, And so today we're actually going to dive in a little bit to the main tool that we use when talking about leadership. Uh, Essentially, we have a toolbox that is full of tools um, that we use to help us lead with intention that creates mental models and intentional definitions and language so that all of us are on the same page and know what we're talking about when we're talking about something. It helps to create clarity uh, so that we can be leading intentionally and communicating intentionally about where we're at and where we're going. Um, So Joey is going to go ahead and introduce the main tool that we talk about, and then we'll get into sharing some of our experiences with it. Joey? So one of the difficult things about leadership is that we often talk about it as a kind of philosophy or a theory or just, you know, like a a topic for dinner conversation. Um, But but we have a hard time actually doing it, where the rubber meets the road, actually getting down to business and putting leadership into practice. And so all of the tools that we're gonna talk about this season are about ways that you can just practically lead. And the first tool, the umbrella tool, the main tool under which everything else is going to fall is called their Here Path. We call their Here Path the framework of life. We are fond of saying that it's just how life works. And so it's a tool to help us kind of name reality and understand the context in which we're living and therefore the context in which we're leading. So there here path has those three components in it. And we start with the there, which is a vision. Organizations and businesses often have mission statements. Almost all of them have mission statements. There's something in us that recognizes we're motivated by vision. We're motivated by an imagined future, by a hope for what could be. And that really is the place where we need to start. We need to start with a there in mind. What is our mission? What is our vision? What is our imagined future? The second component is our here, naming our current reality. And this is really difficult. We often just sort of assume that our thoughts are true, that our perspective is true, that our feelings are true, that we have a good grasp of our current reality. When we were teenagers, my brother was fond of saying to my parents, nobody understands me better than I understand myself, uh, which is not true. Um, But we often feel that way about our here. We think that we've got it under wraps. And so some of our tools are about acknowledging our current reality and how to take stock of where we are in relationship to where we want to be. So if we name our there, 
and we're honest about pursuing truth within our here, our current reality, it creates this structural tension between the two. And that structural tension is the tightrope by which we move and behave. So the third element is the path, and that is the journey that we take to get us from here to there. The steps that we take, um, the goals that we set, the things that we accomplish that move us towards our sense of vision. So this is just the framework of life. It's how we do everything. I want to get to work, and so that's a there. That's a vision. I need to get to work on time. And so taking stock of my here includes things like deciding which transportation is best, which transportation is available to me, is my shoe untied. All of these little things are part of my current reality. And recognizing those creates this structural tension so that I need to tie my shoe. I need to rush to make it to the train. I need to get my car filled up with gas, whatever are the practical steps that need to happen in order for that imagined future to be realized. But the major focus of this episode is on the first element, the there, the vision. If we don't start with vision, we will be derailed in the process because uh, their here path is a framework of life and those three are not necessarily interchangeable. If we want to maximize our effectiveness as people and as leaders, we have to take each of those in their turn and in their proper order. Lewis Carroll has this really great illustration in Alice in Wonderland where Alice is walking down the path and she comes to a fork in the road and the Cheshire Cat is sitting there in a tree and she goes, oh, Cheshire Cat, which path should I take? And the Cheshire Cat says, well, that really highly depends on where you're going. And she goes, well, I don't think that it really matters where I'm going as long as I get somewhere. And... Cheshire's response to her was, well, if you don't know where you're going, then any path will do. And so the idea with this tool is that we are casting vision and creating a focus so that we know where we're going uh, and we can be intentional about the steps that we take along the path to get there. One of the things I love about that example is Kylie and I heard it at an eighth grade graduation. Here in New York, some of the schools do this thing where when eighth graders graduate because the schools are so small, they allow each student to like give a little bit of a uh, speech. And so one of the students gave that speech and Kylie and I looked at each other and was like, that is so perfect for what we talk about in terms of leading out of vision. And the other thing that that points to is how universal this is. This is just something that we sense, something that we all operate out of. So what we're positing in this episode and throughout this series is that we are most effective if we can acknowledge those realities and be intentional about making the most out of them. And what happens when we don't have a vision, when we don't have a clear there? Well, so we see evidence of that everywhere in life as well. Um, Think about marriages that end in divorce. They often are described as, well, we just drifted apart. Well, why did you drift apart? It's because the husband had a specific vision in mind and the wife had a specific vision in mind. And when those aren't the same vision, when they're not in alignment, they're two ships that are, that are steering in a different direction. So even though they started out side by side, 
after 20 or 30 years, they're miles apart and barely even recognize one another because they've been steering their ship in a different direction. And that's the whole point of leading out of vision is that we move in the direction in which we are focused. We move where we pay attention. When you're walking down the street, you've got to kind of look where you're going. Otherwise, you're going to be in big trouble. And where you're looking is often where you're going to end up. So one of the major problems with not being clear about vision is that it creates disunity and disunity creates dysfunction. And so within marriages, within businesses, well, I'll do a quick business example. Uh, in business, we often get this where there's a mission statement where the company is talking about how they want to like help people or provide this product in order to bring you know vitality to people's lives. But in the actual workplace day to day, the focus is about propping up the personality of the CEO. So the organization is kind of at, literally at cross purposes. Um, there's this division, there's this dysfunction that happens because there's a disunity of vision. And that creates what we describe in our culture as a toxic culture, a toxic like work environment. What we're really saying is that there's not a clear vision. And when there's not a clear vision, people adopt their unique, uh, different visions, and that can cause a real sense of chaos. And that happens not just in organizations and communities, but within an individual spirit. Because one of the entities in this world that's really understood their hair path well is the advertising agencies. There is all kinds of communications out there that try to tell you, this is the imagined future you want, and this is the product that will help you to achieve that. And so we walk around all the time, all of us as people, trying to figure out what is our vision, trying to figure out what we really want. Do I really want this TV? Do I really want this wealth? Do I really want this position? Do I really want this relationship? And it can become this kind of kaleidoscope of confusion because we can't seem to really focus in on what is our true there. I actually had a conversation with one of our King students yesterday, and we were talking about what it looks like for her to set healthy boundaries in her life. And one of the things that we talked about was cultivating an awareness of what your values are and what you are moving towards. So in other words, what is your there? Um, and we talked a little bit about how it's so challenging for her to set boundaries in her life because she like sees all of these other people that are around her and She's a she's a high introvert, so I'll I'll give you that. Um, and she sees all of these people around her who, after getting all of their schoolwork done and after completing you know their jobs and all of that, like have these really active social lives. And she says, uh, it just like seems really attractive to me. But I just spent last weekend with my schedule absolutely full. And at the end of the weekend, I was absolutely drained and exhausted. And so what she is doing is she is borrowing 
something else that she sees within our culture that seems attractive to her, but might not necessarily align with who she is and how she rests well. And it might not align with the rest of the things that she's trying to do in her life. And so she is borrowing this vision as opposed to creating an internal clarity about what she is all about and the things that she is moving towards. Um, which is just a really fantastic example of some of the things that we do in our in our daily lives in regards to uh, not having a vision. One of the other things we do if we don't have a vision is we mistake our here for our vision. So what I mean by that is we go into problem solving mode. And so everything becomes about how do I fix what's wrong with my here And that's not the same thing as having a there, a true vision that's guiding you. One of the things that Kylie and I think is mildly amusing, but mostly irritating, is so many organizations that we go to and we spend time with and we train them in these tools and we talk about their here path and how important that order is. Even after all of those conversations, it it is shocking how often people say here their path. They just switch those first two elements. It's like a Freudian slip. And one of the reasons for that is because we just think of our here so much. We mistake it for our vision. Yeah. And so what ends up happening is we spend every day just trying to fix the squeaky wheel, just trying to put out the fires of today. And we don't really, we can't really see beyond that. We don't really know what we're doing in a greater sense. We're just trying to fix whatever the loudest problem is facing us. So we become very circumstantial people in that regard. And that can be a thing that really derails us and keeps us from leadership because when we're focused on problems and we're focused on treating the people around us as problems or potential problem solvers, we short circuit what really drives human behavior, which is vision. What really motivates us is a hope and an imagined future. And so when we focus on problems instead of focusing on vision, we end up in this kind of strange superficial cycle that doesn't really allow us to achieve the ends to which we ultimately aspire. One of the other things that we do is instead of focusing on a big grand vision that will motivate us for the rest of our lives and drive us towards something that will never fully be accomplished is we focus on small experiences and small seasons of our life and make that our vision. And what happens with that is when we start to finish up that season or we get out of that job and we're moving into another season of life or parents who have had children and raised them and brought them up and have made their children the entire focus of their lives. When their children graduate from high school and they go off to college, suddenly their entire purpose for living has gone. It's walked out the door and they flounder because they're not quite sure what their life is about anymore. Um, Because they don't have this big picture, this transcendent vision tethering them and taking them from season to season. The whole point of having an intentional there for your life is to help to guide you no matter what is happening. It helps you to be intentional about the choices that you're making along the path and actually direct you. 
Yeah, so what Kylie's talking about is the what next problem. We live in New York City and every day we ride the subway. And when we're standing on the platform waiting for a train to arrive, we're looking for the sign on the side of the train as it pulls up. And when the train pulls up, the sign that's on the side is the last stop of the train, where the train's going to go ultimately. So that helps you no matter where you are throughout the train line. It helps you to know which direction you're going in. Because if you didn't have the entire subway system memorized, imagine how confusing it would be to come down, stand on a platform, and the train is just listing the one stop that's coming up next. How would you know for sure that that's going towards Brooklyn or towards Queens or towards the destination you truly want to go? But that's what Kylie is talking about and how we kind of live our lives most of the time. We focus on these milestones as if they're the ultimate end. So we go from one stop to the next stop. We go from singlehood to marriage. We go from marriage to having kids. We go from having kids to being empty nesters. And then we go to retirement or whatever is next. And as we do these things, we convince ourselves that the next stop is actually the last stop. So we live in this system. We've created this system for ourselves that is full of just mass confusion. Because each time we arrive somewhere and each time we're required to move forward, we have to reorient ourselves and try to figure out which direction we truly want to go, where we want to properly aim ourselves. So you're not going to hear me say this often on this podcast, but we should model ourselves after the New York subway system (laughs) in the sense of being able to clarify and name our final destination and let that be a guide along each of the stops we make along the way. One of the other things that we do is we focus on our circumstances as opposed to focusing on who we are and the person that we're becoming, no matter what our circumstances are. In the very first episode of this podcast, we talked about how leadership is the crossroads of character and influence. And the whole idea is that we need to be pursuing the kind of person we want to be, no matter what our circumstances are. We need to be intentional about our character because that is the thing that is going to move with us from season to season. We can't take all of the things that we've adopted as our short-term theirs into the next season, but what we do take is ourselves. So we need to be intentional about cultivating a character that is true to our nature and can maintain its consistency no matter what season of life we're in. That needs to be what our true there is. Who am I and how am I going to interact with and steward my choices in this world? So when Kylie and I were first introduced to these leadership tools, we were newlyweds. And so the first practical experience we had with this was within our newly formed marriage. And Kylie and I are about as different as two people can be. I'm way more introverted. She's way more extroverted. She's very task-driven, and I'm more relationally driven. So we are just very unique and different people. And for a lot of my life, I viewed people, different people, as an affront to who I am, as sort of an attack that suggested that I wasn't good enough myself. And this happens in a lot of marriages. It ends up becoming about validating my own sense of self instead of a true shared vision. So for us, we had to do the real hard work of figuring out what is the true nature of marriage? What is the true nature of our marriage? 
and what is something that we can commit to and strive for together. So we came up with a there for our marriage, unity to the glory of God. So throughout everything that we experience, unity is our imagined future. It is the driving force in our relationship. And one of the things that's beautiful about that is that it's something that we can participate in no matter what circumstances we encounter. It's not something that's like we achieve it and then we can check it off and it's perfected. It's something that we can always participate in but always work towards as well. And that's really the heart of a good vision. So for us to be able to name that and to focus on it has been transformational in our marriage. Having unity as our vision has helped transform the way we approach everything, including conflict. If someone were to ask us, who won your last argument? We would say, we We did. did. (laughs) Didn't know she was going to do that. Um, Because our arguments are no longer me against Kylie. It's no longer Kylie versus Joey and who can win and get their own way. That speaks to a divided vision. Our arguments, our conflicts, are us versus falsity. So the real thing that we're after in the midst of our conflict is discovering truth together. So being united in that purpose helps to reframe, like we're not enemies in this thing. There's just been some kind of confusion, some sort of unmet expectation, something that needs to be clarified and brought into the light so that we can better pursue unity and togetherness. Naming our vision has helped us to tap into the character of who we are as individuals and who we are as a couple. And that is the most essential thing about good leadership. It's being able to name and understand what really motivates you, past the superficial, past the terrible short-term manifestations and the unhealthy ways that we try to do things. What is it that we really want? And how can we move towards that in the most intentional, most productive, most true way possible? And we're using our marriage as an example of this um, a lot, but this is true in any organization. Um, This is true in a workplace. This is true on a sports team. Um, This is true in all manifestations of organizations. So in the first episode, we talked about how we define leadership, which is influencing others to get there. And because I'm a demonstrator, I'm just going to give you a real life example of how we took this vision of unity to the glory of God and influenced a group of young adults towards that exact same vision. About a year after Joey and I got married, we signed up to lead a squad of young adults on the international mission field. And they were going to 11 countries in 11 months. And essentially, Joey and I had, well, and a co-leader, had the responsibility of leading and influencing these 47 young adults for 11 months. We were responsible for training and raising up their leaders. We were responsible to help develop their character through calling them out on certain things. We were responsible for conflict resolution training. We were responsible to equip them with the different tools that they needed in order to lead themselves. And one of the things that we spoke over this squad, X squad right before we launched to go out into the world was unity. 
we spoke the very thing that we ourselves are living towards together within our marriage over this group of young adults. And each young adult came into this experience with their own expectations and ideas of what this journey was going to be about. They all had their own vision. And the value of having leaders come around you and impart a vision to you and say, this is what we're all going to be about, actually helps to create focus for the entire group. And most of the time, there are people who don't buy into the vision, who just, they reject it and decide they want to adopt their own vision. Uh, People where the reality doesn't meet the expectations that they had, and they end up leaving. Um, So over five months of us leading this squad of incredible young adults around the world, we modeled what it looked like to pursue unity to the glory of God within our marriage and then within our team as well with our co-leader, JC. And this squad, every single one of them, grabbed a hold of it and adopted this vision within their teams and within the squad as a whole. It was incredible. While we were on the field, not a single person was sent home or left because they weren't willing to get on board with the vision of what we were doing. They embraced one another, they fought for one another, and sometimes fought with one another, but they always reconciled. They viewed each other as on the same team as opposed to against one another. And now it's over. Um, It finished after 11 months. After five months, we handed it off to new leaders. We trained them how to lead, and they continued to take that vision forward and lead the squad in it. And at the end of it all, I have never seen a squad. Joe and I have worked with this organization quite a bit. It's how we met. Um, We've been involved in a lot of different squads out on the world race. And I have never seen a squad that was as united as they were. They came back and half of them are now married. Um, They live together in different cities around the U.S. And they're really close friends still. They're in touch with each other all the time. Um, They've been doing this journey for four years now, and they're still deeply connected with one another. Joe has officiated two of their weddings, uh, about to officiate a third. And this is a powerful example of just how valuable it is to set a vision that people can really focus on and move towards and fight for because it helps to create, as we said in the first episode, a unity of effort where everyone is moving in the same direction. We're not doing this as individuals who are on different teams who are trying to accomplish something differently, but we're all working together to achieve the same thing. So some of you are probably thinking at this point, okay, I believe you, but how do I do this? How do I figure out what my vision is? How do I go through that difficult process? What are some of the like practical steps that I can take in order to truly name my vision? And one of the reasons that we've gone through all this time and effort to to tell you of the importance of this is because it's difficult. And it does take some time and you've got to be committed not only to your transcendent there, but to the process of discovering it. 
But there are three things that we want to give you today that can help you practically hone in on your true vision. Number one is an exercise that we call the five whys. And for more detail about this, you can go to our website, thecrossroad.net, and it will walk you through um, each of the steps I'm about to talk about and a few more. But let me introduce it to you here at the beginning. The five whys is an exercise about naming your values. And values are the real ingredients for our vision. If you imagine vision as uh, the hub of a wheel, the values are the spokes that are pointing towards it. It holds the whole thing together. It holds it up. Um, so the first step to naming our vision is naming our values. And how do we go about that? Well, we have a friend who is a dietitian. She's one of the women on X Squad that Kylie was talking about. And she talks about the five whys. She explains it like this. She meets with a potential client, and the client is, you know, coming to talk to her about maybe uh, hiring her. And our friend, her name is Jamie, says to the client, why are you here? And the client says, well, I want to lose weight. Right. Uh, so Jamie says, okay, well, that's great. Why do you want to lose weight? And the client might answer something like, I want to look better. And Jamie says, oh, okay, that's great. Why do you want to look better? And the client might answer, well, I want to attract a spouse. So Jamie says, okay, that's great. Why do you want to attract a spouse? And the client might say, I, well, I guess I want somebody to love me and care for me. And Jamie answers, that's fantastic. Why do you want someone to love and care for you? So the idea here is that with each why question, Jamie is pulling back a layer to discover the true sense of value that is behind this decision that the client is making to come and ask for her services. And the reason Jamie does this is because as she hones in on the real deep reason why the person is there, it can serve as a motivator and a way to lead this person through her entire process. So when it comes to your values, ask yourself, why? Why do I value relationships? Why do I value freedom? Why do I value good grades? Why do I value tasks? And whatever answers you come up with, ask yourself why again, and continue to pull back those layers to get to the sense of that final subway stop. What is really motivating you? What is dragging you through your care for freedom and your care for relationships? and your care for good grades? What is the undercurrent that is driving all of those factors? So that's number one. The second thing you can do to help hone in on your vision is honestly just to be intentional about thinking about it. There are two components you really need for a healthy vision. Those components are clarity and commitment. So your vision needs to be something you can really commit to. And the best way to figure out what that is is to provide a sense of clarity for yourself. One of the tips that we often give people is to think about these transcendent theirs as an ad campaign slogan. A lot of people, when they're trying to work out their vision, they get these long paragraphs and run-on sentences that try to capture every single tidbit about what they care about. Think of this as a slogan. Our slogan, unity to the glory of God, is something that we can easily memorize, easily repeat. It's on the tip of our tongues. If you show up today to any business in America and ask any employee about their mission statement, they'll probably fumble around a little bit. They may get one or two words here and there, 
And that lack of clarity makes it harder to really commit and to buy into the vision. Spoiler alert, we will talk in a future episode about what happens when you do lack in commitment to your vision. Right. So I think as we're talking about how do you develop a sense of your true vision, spend time really thinking about that. What is something that I can truly commit to and how can I think about it? How can I consider it in a clear and concise way? And be patient with yourself in this. Give yourself some time to work through it. So that's number two. First is the the five whys. Second is just some intentional time thinking about it, clarity and commitment. The third thing we would encourage you to do practically is to make a bucket list. We talk about bucket lists in our culture as these sort of frivolous activities. But what we're suggesting is that you make a list of all the things you want to do. And we're saying put in there everything. You want to travel to Greece. You want to learn Spanish. You want to write a novel. All the things you want out of life. Just without thinking too hard about it. Just make a long list. And then make a second list about all the things that are a current reality in your life that you're thankful for, that you really appreciate. It might be the job you have, the people that you're around, the travel you've gotten to do recently. Just make a list of the things that you're really thankful for are realities in your life. And next, make a third list. The third list is what are the goals you have for the next year, the next 12 months? And so take your time with these three and just kind of spout out a bunch of ideas. After you have all three lists, we encourage you to look at those three and say, what is consistent in all three of these? So for me, I would have wanting to publish a novel on my bucket list. And I would have being thankful for the opportunity to write every day, which is part of my job with The Crossroad. My goals for the year would be about writing, things like short stories, stuff like that. So for me, seeing that writing is a central part of all three of my themes gives me a hint that there is something about writing that is foundational to who I am. It's very important to how I operate and how I approach the world. Then I can jump into the five whys and explore my values to really kind of hone in. Why is writing important to me? Why is that answer truly important? Why is that next answer truly important? So for me, my personal there is holy words. And that came in large part out of examining the things I was thankful for, the things I was trying to pursue short term and long term, and seeing that there was a lot of consistency in terms of writing, speaking, in terms of mentoring other people. On a, and also on our website, we have a values exercise where you can print off values cards and it walks you step by step on how you can do some difficult decision making about which of these values are really mine and which of these are great, but just don't really encapsulate the heart of who I am. So we encourage you to go there and, and, and do that as well. Another practical thing. So these three exercises, the five whys, and I would include the values exercise as a part of that. And then number two, asking yourself with intention, how can I clearly communicate what matters to me and commit to it? Uh, And then three, your bucket list and the list of gratitude and the list of goals. Combining those things will help give you a sense of clarity, a sense of consistency that you can really hone in on. This is what seems to be driving me. This is something that I can really grab a hold of. And the key here is like unity in our marriage or words in my personal life is to find something that is true, as true as you can possibly be aware of, something you can commit to 
and you can really believe in as a driving force in your life. And when you do that, it actually helps to direct your choices. And so when you come to a crossroad, uh, which we do every day, we're actually able to take the current self-awareness that we have about the things that we're passionate about, the things that we value, the things that we're gifted at, and make the choices that best align with those things, as opposed to choosing something that doesn't necessarily connect to our values, uh, but maybe our culture says is valuable instead. So this this really helps to direct uh, the choices that we make in our lives daily. Uh, coming up with a there is really challenging. Uh, I have conversations with students all the time, and they're like, what? Like, I've got to create a vision for my life? Like, what does that even look like? Um, and there's this book by Anne Lamott. Um, it's called Bird by Bird, uh, and she's a writer. And this book is about writing, but it's also just thoughts on life. And one of the chapters that she has is actually titled Crappy First Drafts. And the idea behind this chapter is that you just need to start somewhere. Uh, we all have this idea in our culture that we've got to get it right the first time, that we've got to get it perfect. Um, but you don't. You don't even have to get it perfect the second time. What you do need to do, though, is start getting some things down. Writing down what is important to you, what your dreams are, is just a stepping stone to actually figuring out what your actual purpose is, uh, what your there is for your life. And what sorts of things you would be good at partnering with, what sorts of visions, organizations you might excel at because of what your life mission is. It's hard, but it is not impossible. It's actually the easier of the steps. In the next episode, we are going to talk about the harder part of this process, which is accurately naming your current reality it is so challenging to really know where we are right now. Um, we have a perception of where we are, but we're so good at lying to ourselves uh, and even lying to one another uh, about what is actually going on. So we're going to get into some of the challenges of that and some of the ways that we can accurately and honestly name where we are at with our current reality so that we can set ourselves up well to move forward towards our there. But as we continue along the process, we implore you to not lose sight of what we've been talking about in this episode, which is that it is all led by vision. When we have a vision that we can clarify, when we have a there that we can establish, it helps to inform everything that we do. So if I establish holy words as my there, then it helps reframe everything I experience in life as an opportunity to use holy words. If Kylie and I establish unity to the glory of God as our there, it reframes everything we encounter in our lives as an opportunity to participate in that vision. And that is the key to a meaningful life. That is essentially pulling the purpose into our existence. And we need to do that first with ourselves so that we can then empower and encourage other people to do the same, because that is the heart of effective leadership. Thank you for listening to the Crossroad Podcast. The world is out there waiting for you to become the best leader you can
can possibly be. We hope our conversations have helped. For more, please visit our website, thecrossroad.net.